0: And welcome to Cloud9Fin, the podcast where we deconstruct and demystify debt, deals, and documentation. We are devoted to due diligence and deep discussion, and to the letter D, apparently. And on that note, I want to introduce a new colleague, David Brooke, who recently joined 9Fin to lead our private credit coverage. So welcome, David, for your Cloud9Fin
1: debut. I feel welcomed. I'm the new private credit editor here. I spent some time covering private credit in the UK and, London, uh, UK and the US, but... It's spring, a new dawn arises, a new roll, and I'm in the West Village. I couldn't be any more happier.
0: I'm glad to have you. All right, so without further ado, I'm going to hand it over to David for this week's
1: episode. So take it away. So just to set the scene today, many people still talk about private credit as a sort of fashionable new asset class, as though lending very much belongs to the banks. And that's perhaps true for some lenders, especially those emerged after the 2008 financial crisis. But we're here today with a veteran lender, Antares, who've been around since 1996, when a team of 12 people left Heller Financial to start a middle market lending firm. Antares has been on a journey since then for a time it was owned by GE Capital, and today it's backed by the Canada Pension Plan Investment Board. And today, I'm here with Tim Line, one of the original 12 who helped found the firm, and he took over as CEO last year. So first things first, Welcome, Tim.
2: Thank you very much, David. It's a pleasure being on your on your podcast. So,
1: we've seen all the headlines, Silicon Valley Bank, Credit Suisse, hung debt, um, very much taking up the headline of late 2022. It feels like there's so much turmoil in the traditional investment banking space. So does that open the door for private credit markets to take more market share from the banks, particularly for those large multi 1000000000 dollar unit tranches that are in vogue today?
2: Yes, it does, David. The recent exodus of deposits from regional banks into larger money setter banks, combined with the possible tightening of regional bank regulation, will likely lead to less bank capital availability for middle market companies. The impact has already been quite profound. So in the U.S. sponsored middle market loan market, syndicated share volume is down from 50% in 2017 to 28% in 2022. We do believe some of these recent private credit market share gains reflect the woes the banks have faced with hung deals, and more recently with some of the bank failures that you highlighted. I do believe the syndicated markets will rebound at some point soon. However, we still see private debt share gains as largely secular versus a temporary aberration. Uh, In addition to that, we believe direct lenders will continue to raise even larger funds, allowing them the capital availability to finance even larger multi-billion dollar transactions. Private credit will continue to raise significant capital from institutional investors, but we believe that the capital raised from retail investors will grow at an even higher rate as more and more investors gain access to private asset options that have historically only been available to ultra high net worth and high net worth investors. So it's fair to say
1: it's a good time for private credit.
2: Yes, I would agree. Um, And
1: especially at a time with rising rates, yields are rising, there's better documentation. But as you perhaps know, Tim, the flip side is that for borrowers, that means higher debt service costs at a time when earnings is also under pressure. As a lender, how do you
2: plan to navigate this dynamic? Yeah, great question, David. So... Direct lending has been benefiting from rising base rates and spreads, declining leverage, and tightening terms. So those are all investor-friendly trends. Default rates, which have been and still remain very low, are expected to rise in the year ahead, but the forecast still seems quite manageable based on recent survey expectations. So they're predicting that they'll rise to levels pretty close to the long-term average. But the thing to remember is that first lien yields have risen to over 10 percent versus an average of 6 percent in recent years. So you've had a four to five hundred basis point increase in yield. So it's really hard to imagine a scenario where that four to five hundred basis point rise is offset by losses uh, simply because the recovery rates in first lien private debt are very favorable. And it's really kind of the combination of those factors that we think is the primary reason that this is going to be a very attractive vintage year for private debt, where investors can earn over 10% unlevered and 15% levered uh, investing in senior secured loans of companies that are owned by private equity sponsors. But regarding your question about the rising costs for borrowers, We are carefully monitoring credits in our portfolio and initiating conversations with the private equity sponsors prior to the problem. Um, And in addition to that, just given the concerns over the current macroeconomic environment, we're being very selective in the credits that we underwrite.
1: Wow, double-digit yields on unlevered senior secured debts. I bet you never would imagine you'd see the day.
2: Yes, exactly.
1: Um, and so perhaps in your own portfolio itself then, I mean, are you seeing any kind of early signs of stress? Are there any sectors that you're invested in or ones that you're particularly concerned about?
2: So the main industries on our watch list include retail, food and beverage, automotive, and aerospace and defense. The good thing is that we have pretty limited exposure to those sectors. Um, Healthcare, where we have a pretty significant um, focus, uh, you've seen wage pressures and worker shortages that have compressed margins some, um, but still, when you look at our healthcare portfolio, it's diversified across 20 healthcare subsectors. And we focus on segments that are less impacted by wage inflation, such as pharma services that have a greater ability to pass through price increases. Uh, We're also beginning to see signs of wage growth stabilizing and open job positions declining with companies focused on working with payers to pass through some of the cost increases. Um, And then currently, when you think about we have a pretty significant software portfolio as well, Um, it's performing uh, the headwinds for companies in the tech portfolio appear to be driven less by inflation. And more by just slowing growth um, which is leading to some pressure so we expect the rate of revenue growth in those tech firms software firms to moderate during 2023 and maybe be a little bit more in line with the broader broader economy but we still expect uh, strong profitability the interest rates are impacting liquidity of, of all companies including software recurring revenue portfolio companies but we're really seeing private equity sponsors evaluate and execute cost reductions to manage liquidity as you see those growth rates moderate and interest rates rise. Fascinating. I mean, I guess
1: healthcare is built in naturally resilient, recession resilient, because we all have bodies. We have to take care of them. Yes, we (laughs) do. That's good for lenders. (laughs) Um, but I guess what is your um, plan perhaps for dealing with future distress? I know you perhaps you went into some of the dynamics that kind of help will kind of help some of the companies in periods of distress. But, you know, the economy worsens. It, I guess it's always kind of difficult to say, is it going to be the first big test for private credit? It's been a benign lending environment for many, many years. Um, albeit COVID was very much a test, but not the credit test, not the financial test. Um, that perhaps many were anticipating for many, many years. So do you think there's perhaps enough preparation for that cycle, for that type of distress cycle?
2: Yeah. So fortunately, we have a deep bench of senior professionals with restructuring experience, and they've worked through multiple cycles. Uh, And we have the ability to flex the team size as needed to scale to more stress market conditions should they rise. And we expect that, they will arise here um, over the next year. Uh, I do believe that there is a risk for those direct lenders that don't have the requisite expertise to deal with a number of performance challenge companies at the same time. So, so that is the it's not like it's going to happen. You're going to have one one week and then another one's going to come in a, a month later. A lot of this is going to happen at the same time. And so you really need to have a lot of people with a lot of restructuring experience to jump on these challenging situations at the same time. Um, but while we have lending partners that are inexperienced, it, it may lead to more challenging situations. We've been dealing with some of those newer lenders because as you know, David, you've seen so, much, um, so many new players in the private credit space. Uh, and most of them, when they start, they have essentially a office that is the front office that is the bringing in the deals and underwriting the deals. And, but they don't typically start with a workout group. Um, and so that restructuring expertise is just really, really important. Um, so we, we always take an active leadership role in any of the bank groups, whether we're the agent or not, to try to share our experience and perspective because we've been in the business for such a long time.
1: Interesting. I mean, I guess for many, many years, we have to have sympathy for the poor LP who has had to decide amongst the managers who is the right team to invest with. Um, So I guess with, you know, um, increasing yields for amongst kind of um, a lot of private credit managers, do you find that perhaps For a lot of investors, they might want to kind of gravitate towards the less riskier area of private credit, the direct lending, the senior and unitrance type financing um, strategies?
2: Yes. So um, I think just given the macroeconomic uncertainty right now with a potential recession looming, uh, the economy slowing down, interest rates increasing, What we're seeing with investors is they want to be in the more senior part of the capital structure. So this is not a time period where I would be wanting to take undue risk as an investor and be uh, chasing yield in junior unsecured tranches. Uh, I would be much more focused on uh, playing in the senior secured space. Uh, especially in a time period when I can earn uh double digit unlevered returns like i mentioned earlier
1: what about just kind of the broader l p sentiment there because as you know it as you kind of note the advantages of being in kind of a firstly in unitrance type strategy where there's there's now double digit returns um but on top of that there is the issue amongst a lot of lps in terms of Fundraising allocations, you know, the denominator effect is very much a a real challenge. So, what is the fundraising environment like right now? Are LPs bullish in private credit, or is there a kind of, I don't know, maybe a shyness away from what we've seen in the last couple of years?
2: So, I would say that uh, most limited partners throughout the world that are in the that have invested in the private credit space uh are increasing allocations on a go-forward basis we're also seeing a lot of limited partners uh who are big investors that have not allocated to the space that are now you know they are adding it and as a regular part of their allocation private debt the only area where uh there's been some issue is kind of on the denominator effect so that impacted private credit but we think this is temporary and it's it's more the decrease in the valuations of public assets have decreased the overall valuation of the portfolio thereby increasing the allocation to private debt simply because the public assets declined Um, we still think that, like I said, that's a short-term disruption along a path of strong secular growth in private credit AUM. Uh, most forecasters are saying, hey, it's going to grow single-digit, high single-digit, nine, you know, eight-nine percent to low double digits. You know, we've seen ten to twelve percent per year for the next five years, and so much of that is this kind of increase people are looking at the strong yields they're looking at the fact that it's senior secure debt and um there's this big increase that we see on the retail side of the business so the institutional limited partners there's going to be strong growth but even stronger growth in that retail segment we call it kind of the democratization of private assets where investors, more and more investors throughout the world are going to have access to private assets, like private debt, and we think that that's going to lead to significant growth over the next five years.
1: Fascinating, private credit will continue to grow. (laughs) Um, And so, Tim, I'm hoping you are well rested, but certainly the proverbial, what keeps you up at night? What is some of the big concerns that are worrying you in in today's market?
2: Sure. So I worry a little bit about the macroeconomic environment, but as you know, I I, I can't change it. Um, I feel quite very comfortable because we've been doing this for so long that we have an excellent portfolio, a highly diversified portfolio. Uh, We're going to have some companies in that portfolio that are going to have some bumps in the road and may require some restructures, especially given the increase in interest rates. So for deals that were done, let's say 18 months ago, when rates were a lot lower, we may need to restructure some of those deals. But we've been doing that for a long time. Um, what keeps me up at night is it's almost something that I would argue is maybe a bit more nefarious, where cyber, cyber really uh, makes me nervous, um, and I, I think most CEOs would agree with that, um, and but we have very very strong cyber uh, management plan in place, cyber strategy. Um, but that's something that um, you know the normal day to day of the business. I worry about losing talent, uh, especially in in a pretty hot job market. Um, so it's 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 talent, and And cyber, like I said, I I don't really worry about the portfolio that much because I think that uh, we've assembled a a very defensive portfolio that's highly diversified. Um, And yeah, so it it really comes down to, I say, people and cyber. It's fascinating you say cyber
1: because cyber security companies are very fashionable with private equity sponsors. I'm sure you're seeing a lot of, uh, doing a lot of due diligence in some of those companies. You know which one's the best one to go with. (laughs) Yes, we do. (laughs) And perhaps if we should just end on a a positive note, I don't want to pry too much into your sleep schedule, but what what helps you sleep at night? (laughs) What are the sort of positive things in the private credit market you're seeing?
2: Oh, that one I think is pretty easy, and and it's really the combination of the fact that our company has been around for over 25 years, and we have a very strong brand name, uh, and and really strong relationships with private equity sponsors. Uh, we do a great job underwriting deals, but what it comes back to is the people. I think that we have assembled uh, and incredible team, a highly talented team. Uh, We have a great culture in our business. It's very collaborative, team-focused. Everyone kind of knows what the long-term strategy is of the business, and we're all rowing in the same direction. And so, and and communication with the team is so important. So we share with our team our strategy all the time in town halls and uh, regular Monday morning meeting updates uh, so that they all know kind of what the strategy is, uh, how we're intending to change the company, where we're really focused. And uh, that's what really excites me is I, I'm surrounded by extremely talented people, uh, and I learn from them each and every day.
1: Well, that's great to hear um and certainly so that kind of covers all my questions there's plenty of good notes but it'd be good to have you back on again um in the future discuss more of those things that you're learning from your team and if any of the kind of trends bear out but tim thank you so much for
2: talking with me today thank you so much david for inviting me uh, it was a pleasure and look forward to speaking to you again likewise likewise thank you
0: All right. Well, that's all we've got time for today. Thanks for tuning in. And also thanks to David and Tim for such an interesting chat. Please don't hesitate to get in touch with us. If you have any feedback on the podcast, you can always reach us on team at ninefin.com and make sure to check in next Thursday with our London colleagues for the latest on European markets. We'll be back the week after that. So until then,
2: as always, take care.